0: Boom, what's up everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakyan. We are still on site at COFES, the Congress on the Future of Engineering Software for our second annual partnership with them. We are now speaking to Hans Hartmann. Hello. Hi, how are you? Thanks for coming on to the show. (laughs) Alright, right. Really appreciate it. I'm very excited to be talking about all things photography, video, collaboration, innovation in this space, and the future of it. It was really cool when I learned about Hans. Hans has spent the last seven and a half years as the president of Suite 48 Analytics, doing user and market research practice for photo and video industry. Also six and a half years as the chair of Visual First, which is conference promoting innovation and partnership in photo and video ecosystem. And I also was first, when I approached Hans, was just like, why hasn't there been a conference in the <laughs> photo and video space yet? There's so much innovation and collaboration to come that can come from right. that. So. Right. I'm very glad that you've been producing this. We're going to explain that links in the bio, and we're going to end up getting to that in a little bit. First, Hans, we need to talk about your journey. How did you even get interested in photography and video in the first place? Right.
1: Um, So throughout my career, I've either been involved in electronic publishing or photography. And I guess the very first job was for a Photoshop plugin startup developer way, way, way back. So we added sort of painterly creative effects to Photoshop images. Interesting enough, I mean, that was already artificial intelligence before it was even called like that. So we called it neural uh, brushes. So you had a very painterly artistic effect that you could apply to your photos.
0: What year was this? Uh,
1: This was early nineties. So that far, far ago. Um, And then i worked for a company called Live Picture, which was an early Photoshop Competitor. The CEO at the time was John Scully after he left Apple. Mm. Um, and we did quite a bit of innovations on uh, competing with a Photoshop, uh, primarily how to work with very, very large images. Um, in many ways, what you see in Lightroom, uh, non-destructive editing, that kind of stuff you, you could already do there. We introduced the uh, concept of layers.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, that, Oh my gosh, <laughs> layers was such a good, important advancement in the field, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. C- can you imagine without you know, a world without layers in, in <laughs> yeah. editing uh, programs? So, anyway, so I've worked off and on for software companies, um, went back into electronic publishing, and then, say, seven years ago, I started this research um, uh, company. Yeah. And that was just when smartphone photography became real. So around the time you had the iPhone 4, um, which was just about the right quality of camera that people felt. Hey, you know what? If I take a photo with my iPhone, it's actually worth sharing. Mm -hmm. In particular, (laughs) initially, you know, the photos were so so. But then they used um, you know, a filter app, like Hipstamatic was the first one, and then very soon after that, Instagram. So you did like a pastel kind of uh. yeah. tint to your images, and they looked like artwork, <laughs> and they were worth sharing. <laughs> uh, and of course, yeah, as yeah. the iPhone and then later the Android phones became uh, better in their photo capture capabilities, the filters were less essential in order to make it worth uh, sharing. But So around that time, there was a lot of disruption, and that has you know, in the, in the sort of the mobile photography, um, and that has been going on and is in different versions still going on. It, it's really disrupting how people take photos, how they share photos, how they enhance the photos, how they create products, you know, photo products, and order that from your phone. So there's a lot of disruption going yeah, yeah. on, in a, and it has been going on in a very short time frame
0: yes i want to ask you a a a bunch of different things one of the things i want to ask you is that it was so interesting learning about photography being 200 years old Uh about Uh and when first looking at these photographs that were taken just the just the crazy amount of work that had to go into even just one photograph being captured and now the digital photos that we take everywhere all the time and that they're stored and like you said now they have to be enhanced less because as the exponential technology has gotten better and cheaper the the lenses have gotten better the processing has gotten better and so now the camera the photos are more easily able to be uploaded and like you're explaining with the software all of the different techniques and strategies tell us about this kind of like this big history perspective on how you've seen you know the last 30 years you were kind of indicating it but really yeah give us that long perspective yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay um, yeah depending how old the audience is and, and how
1: long they have been following this but you know if you are relatively new if you've born and been born and raised in the digital era it's almost hard to imagine how film photography works and and the most important thing there is you know, after you you took a photo with a film camera, you couldn't view your photo. So you you (laughs) had to buy, well, first of all, you should have bought film to begin with, otherwise (laughs) it wasn't a photo, but you you, you needed a film developed, then you needed to be printed, and only then did you see how that photo turned out. And that was uh, obviously a cash cow for companies like Kodak and Agfa. So, so in those days, people were very uh, selective in when to take a photo because every photo you took cost money. Now it's free and basically hard disk space is almost free. Cloud storage free space is, is so cheap, it's almost virtually free. So we're living now in an era of abundance and abundance photography, which is fascinating, that whole change. Um, I think another thing, but that's more from an industry perspective, that that's interesting in that longer view of where things came from and where they're heading, is that sort of before 1990 all the innovations in the in the world of photography were done by imaging vendors themselves so they Mm -hmm. invented you know the 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 basically film then you got flexible film 35 millimeter then at some point you could uh, shoot in 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 color there were uh, very popular uh, cameras like the hipstamatic or the instamatic from kodak Mm But all these inventions and all these changes that they accomplished came from within the imaging industry. And around 1990, and that's sort of when I start doodling in this space, um, the imaging industry adapted and was changed rather quickly and, and, and a lot of disruption going on, but the innovations came from outside the imaging industry. So it was no longer the codex and the Agfas and, you know, what the, uh, the Canons or the Nikons that changed things. They adapted to changes outside the industry and the, the very first one was basically a program like Photoshop coming to the world. So certainly you could um, enhance these digital photos in, in many ways and, and what was even more important with Photoshop is you could also do your color separations. So if you wanted to go to a real print job and hey, not not, not uh, digital print but uh, the CMYK print you could separate your colors in a, a program like Photoshop so there was a the beginning of the desktop revolution mm-hmm. but that had tremendous impact on the imaging industry yeah, yeah. so that was that was one major change uh, then you had other various changes uh, over time uh, we, we already mentioned the smartphone mm-hmm. which is just unbelievably uh, has been unbelievably, uh, you know, destructive or, or disruptive, uh, <laughs> disru- dis- disruptive and disruptive. I would say and democratizing. Uh, democratizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. Uh, c- could afford having a camera, yeah. and everybody actually has a camera in their pocket at all times. That's almost as fundamental change as what I said earlier. You no longer had to pay for every photo you take and you can immediately see it having a camera in your pocket no matter where you are what kind of gathering um, at least in the western world and big chunks of the non-western world almost everybody has a camera in their pocket Uh, and hence people take photos like there's no tomorrow (laughs) in that sense. Um, So that was a change However, the the, the, the smartphone and and the, the, the phone industry basically made changes they have seen, seen things like AI uh, that also uh, came outside of the imaging industry, mostly in the academic world. And now, certainly, you know, even though you might take thousands and thousands of photos, you have AI to auto classify or auto tag images, so you find the right images through a click of a button, so to say. AI is being used for very smart photo enhancement. So even if you don't quite know how to put the settings in or how to change things in Photoshop. So there are quite a few very innovative applications out there based on the AI, it's just a click of a button and you have a beautiful photo. So there's a lot of changes, a lot of disruption. Um, the internet uh, also seems like a token, but the fact that you can share your photo with the entire world and that all the major communication networks, I mean the Facebooks, the Instagrams of the world, uh, the Twitter, all of them have a lot of photo tools built in mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and again that was also a change that was not in the imaging industry but has had a big impact on the imaging industry. So lots of things uh, have happened and are still happening, Yes. Uh, in particular I mean here to speak, uh, the, the, the conference uh, or the, the speech I will be holding later the three areas I want to zoom in on is this AI in, in many different you know use cases uh, AR mm-hmm. and so the, that, that's also a, a very fundamental crazy thing that the smartphone camera is now becoming the most important AR viewing device. Yeah. I mean, initially people, when AR came out, well, you know, it's, it's gonna be uh, goggles and that's and, and all too cumbersome. Now it's, you know, you, you pick pick up your smartphone, you look at something, you get shopping information or you can visualize what a chair, an Ikea chair will look in your own living room. You should just look at your living room like that. Mm. So um, uh, that's yet a thing that's really a the beginning of uh, a lot of change that these uh, smartphones are becoming the viewing device for AR. And at the very latest (laughs) uh, that I'm very fascinated uh, by is as recent as, what is it, four or five weeks ago at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, there were three, four very high-end smartphones with really beautiful cameras, uh, Mm. expensive also, Mm. but they all now have also um, a time-of-flight depth center yeah. in the back of the cameras, yeah, yeah, okay. and we already know it a little bit with the iPhone X and 10s, and where the, they, they also have a depth sensor on the front of the camera, so you can have really fancy, you know, nice-looking AR effects on your face. Okay. Now you get all these high-end cameras and they can measure the depth and then the placement of any sort of artificial object yeah. in your environment that you, the, the real environment that you're viewing through your, through your phone is very, very precise. So AR will get a tremendous bump once these uh, high-end uh, smartphones are actually coming to market.
0: Yeah, the, the, the history you just walked us through is so c- cool. The, the, the just having to, n- going from not being able to see the photo after right. you first <laughs> stake it and having to go get it developed. Um, All the way to, yeah, Kodak collapsing because it's uh, unable to innovate and there's so many reasons now that there are these R&D departments at the company so they can stay uh, innovative rather than fall. And then all the way to the democratization of the photos and now the application of artificial intelligence, augmented reality, um, depth sensing. Is so fascinating. One of the things that it's is starting to maybe make more sense to me now is that when when biology developed vision uh-huh. capabilities, yeah. it it is it was a massive evolutionary step. Right. And then when we then developed a second vision capability that was so democratized, our ability to just take photos. Um, and store that for free basically, video store that for free right. basically. Mm-hmm. That is now just very recent in our ability to capture every single moment like that. And now we're adding these cameras to robots. yeah, And to all of the uh, all the, the the automation technologies and, and uh-huh. AI that exists and the, all yeah. the sensors on all of the Internet of Things era. And mm-hmm. so, so now the cameras have gotten so good with the depth sensing and everything and we're slapping them on top of all of the robots. Yeah. So this is, it's a revolution in perception for the digital yeah. the digital space yeah. as well.
1: And that last element of... of um, yeah, we, we call it internally, we call it heuristic imaging. So the fact that you... If a camera or a system understands what's in that image, you can build certain rules to, to immediately act upon instead of it going to a human and says, okay. Gram, somebody who looks like grandma is crossing the street in my car. I better slow down. Uh, that kind of heuristic algorithms can be made uh, as self-driving cars. But, but, but there's a lot of uh, AI-based visual, imp, you know, implementations in robotic engineering, uh, etc. You, you have all these sensors, and you have. Uh, computing I mean that's the other element to it it's not just that the cameras are getting better but you have the the cameras are in a device that is so power computing wise so powerful I mean it's the same as most computers were two three four years ago if not better already so these are power beasts in terms of being able to compute all kind of things and apply algorithms and even learn on the fly so everything is happening in real time now because that yeah. device can yeah. handle that, and it can talk to Internet of Things kind of devices, uh, whatever, you know, you, s- you see somebody in front of your house, or the camera, you, the yeah, camera yes. sees something in front of your house and sends you a text, like it seems like is coming by, or, uh, yeah. or whatever, yes. I mean there's, there's yes. so much you can do
0: yeah the the in the the application of both image and video classifying for the purposes of doing things as simple as just like Google Images and being able to just click on an images on a person's face this is probably a good time to then ask you about suite forty eight yeah because now it's been seven and a half years of yeah. you building this out and doing all of the video yeah. and photo research on yeah. industry analytics. so teach us about what that's been like,
1: yeah. You know, what's interesting, so we have an annual conference and until last year we called it Mobile Photo Connect. It's a mouthful, but you know, we were a startup and we didn't want to build our own brand. So we, so we said, well, why don't we describe in the name of the conference what this is all about. So we, we had the word mobile in there and we had the word photo in, in there. And connect, I think that's still an applicable term, but both other terms, mobile and photo, you know we as an industry have already moved beyond that. So mobile, it's almost no, no matter what you do, mobile is part of anything. Like in the, in, you know, the, the first uh, you know, internet era, uh, people call themselves, oh, we are an internet company. Well, everybody should be at least an internet company, otherwise they're probably out of business. So everybody has an internet strategy and that's the same with mobile now. So the word mobile we took out of the, the name of the conference. And then the second thing was uh, photos. Um, which is also uh, interesting because you you don't have just photos, obviously video, and video is growing pretty rapidly, also being easy, made easier, in, in particular with uh, the, the, the video editing and being able to handle large files and blah, 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 so video is important. But then you have this whole range of what we called Fodio, uh, P-H-O-D-O, sort of a in between photos and videos. I mean, you have the whatever, the oh, Instagram the boomerang, yeah, the, animated yeah. GIFs, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, y- you name it. There the are a lot of formats that are in between because that seems to be something that really attracts uh, at least certain segments and certain demographics that needs to be super short. Yeah. needs to be a little bit cooler than just a photo. <laughs> so you have yeah, yeah, yeah. fo- the all photos. So anyway so we got rid of the term mobile we got rid of the term photo because photo was too limited mobile was a given and now the conference called visual first yeah. which goes back into the philosophy that so much communication now um even you know in a twitter or a whatsapp uh in messaging apps or, or, or in an instagram the communication starts with a visual and that's why all these net social networks and messaging apps have a big camera button right there so you instead of you send a text and say oh by the way why don't you illustrate it with a photo and add a photo to it which you can still do and that but that was sort of in the past how people do it now often communication starts with a photo or video
0: the and bandwidth you might is add higher. a text to it yeah. yeah I can I can send you a quick 10 second video through them uh, through yep. the message platform and you can get a, a significantly more data from that of how I feel emotionally through yep. my face facial expressions yeah
1: you have sound so you, you can have a voice or whatever you know music that you know illustrates your point better so, so you know in an era where everybody's bombarded with, um, with text and information, uh, having something that is by its nature visual and even visual with movements or with sound that a lot of people gravitate towards that kind of communication so it's really a visual first yes era that we're moving in now that the phones are better and the connections are better and yes, yes 5g is around the corner and yes. then it's like completely instantaneous whatever you want to correct, share correct
0: yeah. whoa yeah Yes, I, I like the you know the transition to the visual first is is that's good because you're you're right that even the show for example is is through video format as well as through audio format for those that are just yeah. listening and okay. not only that way are we going across more platforms and impacting potentially inspiring more people but at the same time those that want the. Sound along with the visual, the emotional cues, um, all that kind of stuff can get it through that way. So you have the visual first, then, you know, then what does it look like? Do, do Hans and Alan turn into 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 three dimensional holograms within the augmented reality sphere? Is that like a you know a next visual second? Is that the next? <laughs> Could be, could be.
1: I I think, you know, we we talk about uh, a bunch of really disruptive, very drastic changes uh, already. Uh, I think this whole notion that very soon, uh, no matter what you look at around you, you could have, it's almost like you have a website that flows along with what you're seeing, so you have extra information. I, I might look at you, and and I know that often, yeah, with, with uh, technology innovations, the first generation isn't quite right, and people say, no, it's never going to work, like Google Glasses, I'm, I'm thinking. Correct. Something Correct. cooler, easier, less disruptive in, in the sense of you know distracting to, yes, to yes. people, but if I can look at you, I've never met you before, and somewhere in the corner of my eye I can see you, you know, there's a face identification, look it up on LinkedIn, oh yeah, I, I met, or I, you know I met you at some conference I forgot when and where and yeah, immediately yeah. I'm just looking at you uh, oh yeah you know this conference at this date yes, oh yeah that yes, that's yes, the guy Yes, <laughs> yes, yes correct, <laughs> or he's correct. looking for a job that's what LinkedIn uh, information yes. so so the fact that you can sort of look around you and there is this extra layer of information, information yes, yes. or you know could also be fun boring could be creative not, not necessarily mm-hmm. I want to learn but can enjoy myself I, enjoy myself, uh, I yeah, think yeah. AR it's still going to struggle um, around the form factor
0: yeah
1: uh, holding ad-hoc a smartphone that's right. not ideal and certainly it's not uh, I mean you still have to hold it you cannot drive at the same time
0: uh, Glasses but are it's still a little s- yeah strange. The, the, the goggles in
1: particular yeah. are, are, are still yeah, that's really a big step because you're really sort of removing yourself. Contact
0: lenses are exactly. So you know, that
1: could be one. Um, th- th- there's a company called WayRay that does very interesting thing by being able to project it on cars' window screens, uh, and, and then yeah. the driver will see some some information of what is in front of Correct. the car, right. also yeah. warnings if a car is too close, close to them. To and then the passenger may, may actually see some other stuff uh, like, hey, what to do, where to shop.
0: shop. Uh, sure, sure, music that's is not over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, you don't want to distract the driver from that stuff. So yeah, yeah. so using screens, I, I think screens are sort of an underused uh, way of, of doing AR. Um, mm-hmm. But there, there's still, there's a lot of startups and established companies who are trying to figure out what is the right device. But as innovation often goes, it's not quite perfect, and it's sort of a lame first attempt. People say it's not perfect, but it's good enough. I right? Maybe yeah. we also had that. I've had some discussions, in particular uh, with with my colleagues from Germany uh, in the past. Oh, 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 oh. When when MP3 came came out as a <laughs> audio file for war, oh, there is compression in it. I'm not going to use that. I can hear the difference.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah,
1: yeah. Whether they really could hear it, I I doubt it. But. Um, yeah. You know, often good enough goes a long way. Low
0: goes a long way. Yeah.
1: If it's easy, if it's cheap.
0: If it can and get to 8 billion people like yeah. that.
1: Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, smartphone AR, I think has uh, definitely a future, but, you know, having something in the window of your house and mm-hmm. you look outside to your yard and you see a bird and it immediately says what bird it is or uh, mm-hmm. whatever. you know? sure.
0: Yeah, there's, there's. You don't so even have to hold something correct, in front of you. Yeah. Correct, correct. That's, that's a big part of the future is making the most frictionless ways yep. to get the information and the least clunky yep. uh, ways, the most beautiful ways. These are very important pillars yep. of the way we design our future technology. Right. Hans, I want to ask you this our, our sort of trek with uh, memetics, with memes, yep. it, it used to be a very very hard thing to get a, a letter across the country uh-huh. and 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 then it became okay it's not so hard you can send an email across <laughs> the country and now it's the the person that has the millions and millions of followers or subscribers or whatever can launch off these messages to millions of people around the world in just a flash yeah. so th- that sort of mimetic dissemination trajectory teach us about the importance of that in this in the visual first realm yeah
1: yeah well ultimately you know, it, it's about the content. So, so what is that person trying to convey? Uh, but, but given that, um, th- if a message is visual, uh, it applies to how people perceive information. So a visual, uh, first of all, is better noticed. I mean, advertisers have known that forever, right? But uh, something with visuals in it, photos, and then even more so video, you, you, it is being noticed. It's also better remembered, than just text based information and like I said earlier we already overloaded with information so it's better remembered and there's also there are also statistics that if you get something with a visual in it you're way more likely to share it on twitter or other uh, formats so that's just the nature of and the power of visuals so that in combination with somebody having something useful to say I mean that uh, yeah, that becomes a very powerful and, and to some extent, a, a viral could become a viral thing that lots of people pick up on that. But ideally, to you know, uh, to to be successful as a communicator to a large audience, you need to have elements of of all of those. But being visual is is almost obligatory unless you have yeah. like a really cute text only. I guess if you're the president of the United States your tweets are being noticed if sure, it's text sure, sure. only but everybody else it yeah, <laughs> better yeah. be visual and attractive. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's interesting how much more data can be can be uh, p- passed along to others with a with a video component to it. Um, but you're right then on the depending on the level of prominence is also a another thing if you have lots of clout you can deliver just a text sure. message that gets to lots of people which is you Can even is have typos
1: in it and he he manages to do that too yeah. <laughs> it's being noticed <laughs> yeah.
0: it's, That is that is interesting now now what what is the what is with, with with what you're doing with Suite Forty Eight and with Visual First? You know, you've been giving us some of the, the ways that you've been analyzing, but like, what is what is one's process like? You and your teams, how do you analyze? Right. Like, especially the the these new generations, because mm-hmm. you know when you grew up with technology is mm-hmm. different than when I grew Absolutely. up with technology, which is different than when a. Ten-year-old is growing up yeah. right now with their technology. Yeah. They have never ha- not had technology yeah. like the smartphone and the laptops mm-hmm. and stuff. So, so yeah. So, w- how do you analyze mm-hmm. the different um, the different visual arts as well as the the generations that
1: right? Use, yeah. yeah, yeah. It sort of depends what kind of research we we are doing. Uh, I mean, some some research is really focused on uh, particular solution areas or particular markets and then uh, like right now we're doing a big study around the um, the gig photography enablers. Uh, uh, what, what I mean with a gig photographer is somebody who sort of makes a buck on the side because they like photo uh, taking photos or editing photos you, you don't need to be a photographer but a mm-hmm. um, the, the lot of enabling services now that if you say like you're an Uber driver or listen as an Uber driver, hey, you know what, I have a couple of hours uh, Thursday afternoon, I'd like to make some extra money. They can be engaged to do a photo shoot somewhere. Yeah. It could be a school or it could be uh, whatever a sports event or sometimes even like real estate photos. So anyway, that's a study we're doing now, but the focus is not so much on the gig photographer, it, him or herself. In this case, I just wanna have a good, uh, you know understanding of what kind of innovative uber like yes. solutions are out now So that's that's basically a, a matter of talking with a lot of vendors in that space and a lot of these Service providers and try to understand how they're differing how they different what kind of problems they tackle or not? Mm-hmm. So that's more of a qualitative
0: study like literally having a pool of photographers or videographers in a city like San Francisco that are on the platform that get a that potentially get a ping when the little wedding event yep. pops up and that yep. the ones that are available Tuesday afternoon can go out and yeah and capture That's an that. example yeah. of a service. Yeah. So so in that case, I talk with
1: a service provider. The example comes to mind that that you describe as a company called Sweet Escape. Uh, Interesting enough, uh, they are based in Indonesia, that's where they started. They have 2000 photographers all over the world, wow. also major sti- cities in the US, and that's exactly how it works. Like, I have a birthday event coming up, actually, that's what the founder said. When I interviewed him, the, the founder said, you know, this uh, like many startups, right? They first try to <laughs> self solve their own problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, he was the, he's really a photographer, uh, or has has always been a photographer and uh, always into it. But if he goes to they they hold a birthday event, I mean, he's never in the photos himself. So I said, you know, I want to have an easy way for this event that I normally take the photos with. I try to participate in st- and, and also be in the photos. So he, he founded this, this company, um, but, but anyway, so, th- so going back to your earlier question, how do you research it? In this case, uh, I interview a lot of these service providers or app, devi- or app uh, developers um, and, and try to get a good sense of what they're doing and their vision about the market. With other studies, um, we basically do surveys um, and and get a quantitative idea. And had, uh, we haven't done it yet for gig photographers, but that, that could be one. And then we have survey questions. Sometimes, you know, the end-user research is done through focus groups, which is you know a way smaller group of people you interview, but more in depth. So depending a little bit on the, the topics and the questions we try to get out of it. It's either quantitative to end-users or qualitative to the end-users. And if it's more um, the the, the providers, the developers, then it's it's usually uh, interviewing a lot of people and then uh, get some sense of what's going on.
0: And then um, the, I love the I love the idea of interviewing. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I'm sure then you have as well become very good because when you're trying to go and, and talk to the different uh, like the cutting edge of the fields of like you said this gig economy around photo and video and doing the interviews, then you're understanding what different niches are being filled across the world in these in these fields. And then this follow-up question is when you when you're looking at all of all of the data that you that mm-hmm. you've taken in around, okay, they're filling this niche, this one's going really broad, this one's going into a niche, right? So there's right. sorta of, these different right. um, these different ways of, of approaching it. How do what do you do with that analysis? Do you then teach that to industry, to research and development right. firms? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, Most often the direct, well a a couple of things actually, but most often the direct result of of doing all that research around a certain question, like in this case, uh, gig photography, uh, most often that results in in a research report and that's what we sell. So that's our way of monetizing knowledge. Uh, A lot of other sort of ongoing or ad hoc knowledge about what's going on in the industry goes into our free newsletter which in the end you know it usually it leads to something Either people end up being uh, or buying a report or they end up attending our conference but that's more um, uh, it's a bi-weekly newsletter where we sort of look at different trends in the industry and news there Um, and then another way that we uh, monetize the knowledge uh, is often that we then have panels around certain topics uh-huh. at our own conference. So we, we've had really early on when AI just came out of the a- academic world and got into in, you know, image recognition and, and uh, vision, uh, we had panels, we, we had a panel very early on with the, f- the first image recognition vendors. Um, I, I know one of them uh, is actually now what is Amazon Recognition Uh, recognition with a K Uh, so they were acquired by Amazon Uh, uh, yeah so we've covered a lot of topics also and and have had panel discussions around topics that we also did research on so we could you know push it a little bigger or or a little deeper in our Q&A at the conference
0: so people can sign up for the newsletter for free. Yep. they can purchase the and the reports that you provide, and then the conference visual first happens in Oakland.
1: It's it's actually in San Francisco, it in, is the in, San Francisco. in the Presidio. In yeah. the Presidio, yeah, very nice uh, old uh, officers uh, building, Golden yeah, Gate Club. correct. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah Presidio so gorgeous. So annual, right? Yeah, annual. it's uh, October third and fourth October third and fourth. Okay, all right, all right, and then now. Okay. When you're when now give us these themes. When you're putting together the um, the both, I'm interested to see if these are similar. When you're putting together the reports and when you're putting together the panels at Visual First, are these similar themes? Like you said, the gig photography. Like, what are some of the themes?
1: Yeah. Some some of them are. So so with gig photography because that's a big study right now. I'm almost sure we will have a panel around that. and other panels we haven't done specific in depth research on, but we know it's on everybody's mind in the sort of in that ecosystem of you know imaging vendors. Uh, like, for instance, you know, a topic because quite a few of the imaging vendors are in the photo print space, yeah, like yes, whatever yes, a Snapfish yes. or a Shutterfly, yes, and, uh, yes, these yes. kind of guys. Uh, Often there is a topic around, you know, how can you monetize uh, photo engagement by, you know, adding a print button in an app that might not have been on people's, you know, minds. Like, hey, I'm going into the app to order a print, but if it's an easy uh, sort of suggestion, why don't you order, you know, a wall decor product for uh, of that photo? Um,
0: So, so that's that's a topic. the, um, if the user experience was a little bit more frictionless that if there was a prediction of oh this is maybe the first time you've taken this photo with your family in this beautiful area of a new place yeah maybe you want to order one for exactly. the home in a print exactly
1: yeah. yeah and and that requires quite a bit of you know uh, education also to an industry that has always done it in certain ways and in certain ways they're still doing it similar to before the smartphone era like, hey, collect all your photos, come to my app, <laughs> yeah. download an app. <laughs> yeah, so you're yeah, already yeah. committed to doing something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the problem with that for these vendors is if people are really saying, okay, I want a photo book of 32 pages. If you then c- sort of come into the picture as a vendor, then people start doing price comparisons also. And in that particular part of the photo industry, there's a lot of discounting and uh, order now. And so so then you sure. you're in an, you know in a competitive bidding thing and sure. the prices go down but you know like one of uh, uh, the, the companies that, that have also showed this solution at our conference they built a solution that hey you know what in January if you want to have all your photos that that you have shared on Facebook in a photo book literally you do it on your smartphone it's a click 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 and you have a whole photo book wow. laid out yeah. Um, all the duplicates are automatically removed. Uh, mm. So, so if you market that on Facebook, people are not because it's a pretty unique solution. Yep. Maybe there's one, two other ones out in the world. Uh, th- they're not going to do price shopping, mm. right? So they, okay, well, uh, cool. Then I, I have my whole life mm-hmm. <laughs> in a book <laughs> for, for yeah, those yeah. Who, who care about that. And yeah, you'd be surprised how many uh, st- still care about it and are willing to pay money for.
0: And other ones, other fields, you yeah, panel ideas, these types of areas? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, and it's a good question. So sometimes it's the direct result of research, and certainly I or my partner have, you know, we have a lot of ideas about, you know, based on that research, what should be done or should not be done. Other things are sort of emerging, and then it's actually also interesting to put a panel together. So right now, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by these latest smartphones that have depth sensors yes, yes. F- on the back companies uh, like
0: Niantic have the both the pokey pokemon go and the sure they
1: c- they can yeah, have a way yeah. better ar experience yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it has particular implications for shopping i i don't I don't know yet. So, so that's interesting to maybe have a couple of camera vendors and a couple of app developers. Like, are you really going to use these depth sensors now or not? Because that that's actually not that quite clear. I've spoken with enough developers. Like, you know, what what's that going to be? But potentially, if it is as impactful as the iPhone 10 was with the front-facing depth sensor, Mm -hmm. it could you know, it, it, it could be very interesting. So, so um, more easily ha- having people
0: to maybe where you need to be in the museum or in the grocery store with the, with the depth sensing. And yeah,
1: showing you or like, like the IKEA app. I put my furniture here, but it's r- really precisely located instead of, you know, it's ir- sometimes it's really almost an unrealistic object. It, it cannot quite be in the plant box, <laughs> but it needs to be in front of the plant box. Yes, yes. If you have a depth sensor, you avoid that kind right. of uh, so artifacts. So that's at the minimum what I can imagine, but uh, I bet you there, there are a lot of innovative uh, app developers yes. who are thinking this through now and uh, also on the, the camera side. Uh, the, the biggest ones with depth sensors are Samsung and Huawei okay. uh, and uh, I've already had some conversation with them and you know it's all not that crystal clear. So that's an interesting panel mm-hmm. to see what the, what the impact will be. Yes, uh, and yes, and having those people and have a conversation in the audience about that topic.
0: Yes, yes. What what is the this this next? You know, if we if we ended up doing the this this transition from from in many ways of photography to a videography videography, does it seem like it's going towards a sort of a, a an, an augmented depth? Reality of sorts that that's kind of the next, and I and I just I hope that there's a lot of I, I hope that we do things like guide young people and adults towards like knowledge, right? I uh-huh. hope we guide people towards <laughs> science and we, you know, guide yeah. people towards world peace, right? Yeah. These types of things, and not towards conspicuous consumption yeah. and yeah. all these other kind of crappy things that are uh, in many ways just yeah. ruining uh, a hu- human uh, experience. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, tell us about what you think that I said. <laughs> yeah. And people start o- eating organic
1: and all that stuff, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, that's a very difficult question. I mean, I mean any technology uh, can be used in many different ways and almost any technology can be used for the better or the worse. Um, as you know, with AI, you know, initially, AI in general, not necessarily in the imaging world, but, uh, you know, AI can solve really world problems in, in a big way and make whatever. I mean, you talk about the, the, the environment, it can, can use resources way, way smarter and all, all of that is all good. But there are also discussions with uh, particularly the big five tech companies where employees are actually writing to their CEO, hey you know it's now used by the Department of Defense or it's going to be used in missiles and you know yes. th- that's all very hard to tell beforehand and, and that's almost with any you know uh, face recognition is great because I can take better photos because the camera understands there's a photo in it and I automatically applies certain settings, face. Recognition can also be used in cameras that the government or a government, in particular China, I hear a lot about. Uh, Correct. And you're being recorded all the time, and every step is in a government database. And that you know, it, it's it's. Uh, but that has always been like that, right? I mean, all all innovations, even before digital and before computing, um, it could go in different ways. So I think, yeah, the best you can do is be alert. About certain, you know, uh, ways that people are using the uh, technologies. Uh, unfortunately, I think once technology has really been invented, uh, the genie doesn't go back in the bottle. I mean that that's that's I think the the uh, that's not going to help and it's not going to work either. So you need to think more about yeah, who who, who do you sell this to and who are you not willing to sell this to or regulations uh, I think what Silicon Valley more recently around AI has learned that and and um, privacy and security uh, all these debates is um, Silicon Valley in a way has been a little arrogant in thinking or oh, we can self-regulate ourselves but we're all driven by greed and, and making money, so that's that's not going to work either. Yeah. But then you need to have a, a government who actually cares about the right issues who and would regulate instead. Uh, so
0: The ethical uh, evolving of humanity to the point where it becomes easier to deal with some of the pressing challenges that we're facing is something that we frequently discuss on the show. I want okay. your, I want your perspective on a crazy, industry deep fakes Uh (laughs) uh-huh yes yeah so what do we what do you see what do we think is is best to do when it's indistinguishable if the president of a country actually sent out that video or yeah. not, or yeah. if it's completely digitally synthesized.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- there are even images that are completely artificial and they look like a, a, a regular. Uh, th- there was some, I forgot which university, did a research project on that. Um, well, that's actually, you, you asked earlier what are potential topics at the conference if it's not clearly based on a research project. That's another topic I'm I'm toy to really have there. Like we have some interesting uh,
0: people to potentially recommend to I'd, you. I'd yeah. love to hear about yes. it.
1: Yeah. Um I, I don't know, it, it it will be a combination of incentives. I think the trick is probably to incentivize developers or technology companies to tackle that problem because it's not obvious that's a problem they can make money from and unfortunately that seems how it works people go and they develop technologies because they think there's a market for it very few just choose the topic and the problem out of the goodness of their heart so but if if there is some setting that it really makes sense for them to identify deep fakes, uh, I wouldn't be surprised that there are ways of of really tackling it. I do know um, uh, that uh, you know blockchain is actually interesting yeah. as a solution for Definitely. for when one photo is identified, you know, player A sells to player B that can yes. be totally verified that there was no middleman and nothing yes. has changed. But the problem is more that photo A and the owner of that is that was that already a good photo or, or the original photo to begin with or not? So it
0: yes, blockchain
1: yes. could be part of the solution, but it could be other AI based solutions all the way at the beginning that you. Did you do some kind of pixel analysis and say this cannot, this has mm. to be a, an artificially uh, altered uh, photo? I, I, I don't know.
0: Um, or maybe it may only have to be trusted if it comes from the source, from the person's account. So yeah. nobody could post some video of Hans. Only you yeah. could post videos yourself yeah. and that would be the only trusted. Yeah,
1: and that's relatively, Easy. Nothing is easy, but uh, I think w- w- if if it comes from a trusted source, yeah, yeah. then yeah. I think blockchain has a lot of um, potential yes, yes, yes. to authenticate the or origin of the photo and make sure that in that transaction nothing weird is going on there. Yeah. Uh, and and we're also we are really at the beginning of using blockchain in in the imaging industry, so that's right. another uh, potentially disruptive uh, thing. That yeah
0: and and it's also a great idea to get people paid along the way uh, as as you have this decentralized digital ledger that people can get paid along the way for making the contributions to the yeah. to the image or to the video um in in a very accountable and transparent way another another thought that i think f- um to ask you about is the future of images and video with drones Mm-hmm. Yes, this Mm -hmm. is another probably interesting field. We've seen some crazy good drone videography of, of capturing you know, rhinos yeah. you know, stampeding yeah. through the through the savannas. This is know. the best
1: rhino we've played. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it on all fours <laughs> to give yeah, you okay, the real okay, go one. Go, <laughs> ahead, go
1: <laughs> ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I actually uh was it two years ago uh, at our conference so our conference at that time was at the end of October. Uh, we we've done a little earlier this year, or we're going to do a little earlier but That was literally less, maybe 10 days after these enormously destructive uh, uh, fires in the wine country. It was not last year, but the the year before. And uh, I don't know if you've you've seen it, but there was a drone photographer who went there. And he shot photos from high above. This was in Santa Rosa, where, where completely destruction. But here and there, there was still a house there. So he, sh- he, sh- he shot with his drone the, the, that whole moon like landscape, and then there was a, um, a, a, a postal worker in his little truck who went then to the very few mailboxes that were still standing and he was finishing his route. I mean, and the, the, the videographer, I mean, he, he went all over the place uh, in, in terms of national media, etc. So we were very pleased. It was a, a local guy. Uh, to have him uh, at, at the conference talk about the power of drone photography or videography in this case. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's another fascinating area how visuals, how powerful they can be. I mean, I, when I saw it the first time, you know, I, I broke up. You I mean, uh, know, it was so. He, he also has very, you know, yeah. uh, beautiful music around it. So yes, it, it's correct. It, It's a combination of yes, uh, yes. the visuals and the common and, and this poor postal office worker who did yeah. something that was totally useless. But that's what he had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that, that, was, uh, yeah. that was a pleasure hearing them from the videography. What motivated him going there? He could have. He could have licensed that uh, that video uh, to a Getty or one of the the yeah. stock photo for for awesome. a lot of money, but he just wanted it out there because he thought it was just a personal story to share, and uh, yeah. yeah, it was good.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's interesting when the when the creators can make the decision if they want to publish on their own platforms yeah. or license out to others, then the the whole Creative Commons things very interesting. Our videos are Creative Commons, so people can uh-huh. take the videos and do talks over them or repurpose them on their channels. The whole purpose is for the content to get out as as far as possible uh-huh. for educational purposes, to not be paywalled. So then, um, another another thought around this same field a little bit is the importance of of the the kind of like the global spiritual awakening that we feel when we see photos of Earth from space, from the yeah. ISS, from satellites, we can map certain parts of right. the Earth and see things like deforestation patterns or or all different types of, 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 of Pacific garbage browsers or whatever it may yeah. be that we're viewing, or uh, resource extractions. There's so many um, ways of doing this. Have you, what have you seen in the in the satellite photography or videography?
1: <laughs> to be honest, I mean, it, it's not an area I'm, I'm following gotcha. um, <laughs> I, w- I was going to say it's too far from my home but yeah, <laughs> it literally is yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, too yeah. high in the sky yeah, yeah. Uh, and and partially because you know the, the way we you know the, the market is already pretty big as it is and we are ultimately more focused on consumer photo and video use yes, yes. so gotcha. even drone use, actually the biggest drone use is is commercial and agriculture and and still uh, commercial yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and you know i sort of know about it but i'm not following that closely because you're, only follow so much.
0: <laughs> you're on the, the, the object that four billion people have in their that, pocket. That's enough. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is interesting. As you know, eight billion people get the devices. Then it's a whole you know new conversation yeah. on the global consciousness, yeah. and then where it goes with maybe a couple billion people getting that augmented reality, whatever it ends up you know going to next. Um, any last thoughts about you know about the industry um, about about you know maybe some of the things that you can you can explain to us a little bit that we didn't get to touch on um, in this last part would be just on the on the on the uh, software side of things how interesting it is to have to to have seen something like layers first enter into the scene and Mm -hmm. now we have you know the premiere and the final cuts, mm-hmm. and we have the the, the the really strong Lightrooms and Photoshops that are sketches that are really able to, you know, to get these gorgeous videos and images mm-hmm. out there. So, you know, maybe tell us a, a bit on the software side as well.
1: Yeah, um, well, the, the, I can think of many things that that might be of interest, but. Um, you know at the beginning of the, this interview you talked we talked about the second job that i had uh, in, in the us was then with live picture and and uh, i talked about layers but i think what they did first and i really sort of a theme that is through my thinking about visuals in general uh, is the fact that um, it you could cha- make changes to the to the photo and they were stored as uh, as algorithms. So they were not applied yet to the pixels. So you could work with very, very large files. And then in the end, you could say, okay, now render it at this resolution or that resolution. Um, So the idea of doing things with photos or videos uh, that can still be applied to many different kind of outputs, formats or forms. So keep everything in, keep all your options open while you're working on things. I, I like that lot uh, it could end up being you know only used at a, s- a small resolution on, on a smartphone or a big screen um, uh, uh, talk about you know, what's next there also you, the 8k video is around the corner yeah. uh, so you better start shooting at a resolution that once that really takes off uh, it can be also displayed on that 8k video it is like gigantic uh, in terms of uh, you know the, the the sizes of the files that are uh, implied. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, I, I guess that's one concept of um, what I've always found pretty important. I think the the other thing about this whole industry is um, it's so interesting to see. I mean, I, I sometimes work with startups, like two guys in the Ukraine, they have a crazy idea, brilliant, brilliant uh, engineers, and they come out with an app and. Some of them have done amazingly well and, and and then they are struggling and talking and thinking about technology. Um, similar to somebody who's part of the, the Canon or the Nikon or, or, or the mm-hmm. the Fujifilm uh, you know corporation. So you, you see a lot of because a lot of barriers to entry to become a developer and there's so much, uh, you know, uh, source codes available, the the computing power is in in the sky, basically, Uh, uh, everybody uses AWS or something similar to that. Uh, So you can, as a startup, you can be very powerful if you come up with the right idea and the right implementation at the right time, which is all very hard to do (laughs) do (laughs) all three of that. But, you know, small companies uh, have been amazingly successful and and some of them, have done also well, I mean th- probably our biggest success story I mean I mentioned earlier that a company called Orbius that wasn't acquired by Amazon, but mm. we also had a company I, I liked them a lot, and they were actually from the Ukraine. They were a little bigger maybe twenty or thirty people at that time, but they were the ones the first ones that if you have you take a selfie you know you can have crazy real time effects in the video like steam is coming out of your ears or something like that yes. so they showed it to us um. I co- in our conference in October, they were still in beta, and then in June, Snapchat had bought them for $150 million. Oh and that's goodness. really what, what Snapchat lenses uh, yeah. was. Yeah. And, and Snapchat uh, did really, really well for the longest time. The only way that Snapchat was monetizing itself uh, earlier on uh, was through these sponsored lenses as they call them. Mm-hmm. Now they have advertising in you know, other areas yeah. of their yeah. app. Yeah. Uh, so they they actually made that money back yeah. seemingly uh, quite quite quite, easy, yeah, quite yeah. fast yes. um, anyway i I like working with 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 startups and developers who have crazy ideas and and this was a thing that just came out at the right time yeah. Yeah. And then Facebook had to scramble and they bought another company for also a lot of money that did something similar, similar. to that uh, yes. because yes. everybody felt th- these were in essence AR effects, Right, a- 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 real effects time a- a- AR a- effects, real
0: time AR effects. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh,
1: and and uh, so I, I like uh, yeah.
0: I like that. Yeah. Can't. It's crazy how you can't let your competitors get the the next edge thing that all the. People want to use without you getting and developing it yourself to stay up to pace. What, what? Maybe we we need to ask you this as well at the end. Just this idea of a you know on a geopolitical scale. Do you see any visual, you know, the big visual differences across countries? You gave that example of the Indone- of the company in Indonesia, yeah. um, but it's always seemed like Japan is always at you know the cutting edge of of, of technology and stuff. It used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it teach us teaches about this.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think Japan has been associated with the uh, traditional digital cameras, uh, you know, Canon and, and Nikon. Uh, Fujifilm is also headquartered in. Uh, and these companies uh, in the DSLR, mirrorless, high end camera space have, you know, they, they've struggled to keep being relevant. Uh, so I definitely don't think. Japan is, is the powerhouse anymore as it used to be. Um, uh, China actually, if you talk about, it, it sort of depends a little bit what area of imaging you're looking at, but if you talk about cameras, there's a lot of things happening in China with more the, the cheaper cameras, um, surveillance, uh, 360, a lot of 360 vendors including Insta360, which is sort of the largest now of, uh, uh, with, with their cameras. In areas of image recognition, I would say it's Israel and Russia, uh, Ukraine. A lot of uh, companies came from there um, or or are based there. Um, uh, So it it varies a little bit per application area, but I I certainly, uh, I think in general, going back to the Japan question, I mean, I I think. the, the high-end traditional digital cameras uh, are still doing quite well there because uh, there's a culture that quality matters more than price uh, and and even if, if quality means that there's a fair amount of learning and manual uh, action uh, required, I mean people still do that and it's a little harder here. Um, yeah, it, 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 it depends. I mean, th- on the other end of Fujifilm, uh, they came out with something that has been a tremendous success, first in Japan, particularly among teenagers, what, what they call their Instex cameras. So they are like the old Polaroid cameras I- in many yeah. ways, but it could also be digital. And, and basically, you take a photo and immediately you, you print in real time. You print and, right. and lo and behold, Uh, The people who do that are kids and teenagers, (laughs) because they want to hand a a physical print to somebody else and like, yeah, all teenagers, (laughs) if if you have kids or or, or, or grandchildren or whatever, uh, people hang photos on the walls, Um, but that that was actually... uh, if i would have that's why i need to be you know we need to particularly i need to be very careful putting cliches on well these countries develop more these things sure, sure. i would not have thought that a japanese camera company would come up with something that is cool and retro and is a runaway success with teenagers i would have never that's thought right. so
0: yeah,
1: yeah and they are runaway success because the instax printers uh, from, from fuji that they by themselves Sell about the same number of units as all um, uh, mirrorless or interchangeable cameras, meaning the, the wow. mirrorless and DSLRs, yeah. and they sell more than all from all vendors all uh, point-and-shoot cameras combined. Wow. So that was a tremendous success. Um,
0: uh, who would have thought that that retro would have, would come back yeah. just like that? Yeah,
1: and I think internally they they didn't. Th- that's so interesting. They, they didn't think it would be that big of a success either.
0: And you pointed out, you know, So is you need to is be Israel careful with
1: labeling, you know. Uh, Correct. And you, you know.
0: still pointed out Israel's at its own edge. Russia is in some ways yeah. in Ukraine. That there's different pockets of, of, of visual um, technology edges that, yeah. are, that are that are across the world okay great this has been super fun and super enlightening likewise also on my end i'm really happy to hear that yeah thank you for coming on to the show all right thank you really appreciate you a lot thank you so much we greatly appreciate you all for tuning in thank you so much we would love 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 to hear your thoughts in the comments below everyone let us know your thoughts in the comments below also let us know about what your thoughts are in terms of just sharing the message around the community, around the world, get more people talking about what it's like on the camera, photography, video, ages, all the things that we discussed. Check out the links below to Hans's work. Also check out the links below to Kofez. And support the artists and entrepreneurs that you believe in, everyone. Support simulation below as well. And go and build the future, everyone. Manifest your dreams into the world. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you soon. Peace.